I don't understand this story, but it's my favorite story. I love it. I love this. <laughs> It's, you know what, John? You, you just got to take it for like it's literal words. <laughs> 1980s now. Hey, welcome back to a welcome back to a special, huh? It's really special, it's actually. Really special. <laughs> this is a super special uh, episode of 1980s now because I am standing in the same room with Kat. I'm looking at her. I am looking in Will's eyes. That's weird. Like actually looking in Will's eyes, it's not kind through StreamYard. I, I can't look at her anymore. I'm not going to look. <laughs> hey, uh, my name is Will, and as I mentioned already, I'm joined here by Kat. Uh, John's not with us, unfortunately. Oh, sadly, yeah. Hopefully, he's having fun. He's probably playing with his new toys. Yes. Yeah. He went to a flea market today. I'm sure I he see. found something cool. Of course. Probably yes. Pac-Man related. Um, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. But we are together because we'll be celebrating New Year's Eve together. Yes. Right. Which brings us to this uh, special episode uh, of 1980s Now, which is actually a clips show. Mm-hmm. Which we've talked about clips shows, you know, hmm. used during the 1980s and certainly since to save money on production. <laughs> By using clips of shows they've already made. Yes. I remember yeah. that being a topic. Yes. Yes. So TV shows mm -hmm. would have like one clip show a season so they mm -hmm. could save a lot of money on that and then use that money to make better episodes at different times. Cliffhangers and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all sorts of things. So we're not saving any money because it costs us the same amount to produce every episode. Actually, if you, and if you factor in gas money... That's true. I'm not sure this is saving was, anybody anymore. It was definitely more expensive for Kat <laughs> to make this, <laughs> at least this introduction here. Uh, so what we're going to do though for this episode, uh, as we round out to 2023, is play you some clips from the, what I think are the strangest or most interesting stories, <laughs> news stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We had quite a few of those this yeah. year. Yes. It was hard yes. to choose which ones. Yes, I no doubt. And if, for folks who haven't heard the show before, you know, every episode we talk about current 1980s news. Mm -hmm. We're not mm -hmm. talking about sh stuff that happened, you know, 40 years ago. It's happening now, but related to 1980s things. Mm -hmm. So these are the clips for the, uh, of the most interesting ones throughout the year. And I'm going to tell you, Kat, you don't know which ones they are necessarily. No, I, I don't. I ran yeah. some by you and John, but these are the ones we settled on. Yeah. And these are, this is what I wrote down to remind me what they are. Goonies fish attack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, you'll hear that. You'll That's hear- a favorite. Uh, so um, also uh, we talk about how Mattel after Barbie has like a hundred, like literally like a hundred mm -hmm. possible movies they're making based on other products, <laughs> including Uno the movie. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, a bit of uh, exciting uh, news this year was that they found the original Wilhelm scream. Oh my gosh. And I heard the original Wilhelm scream just recently. I watched the Star Wars holiday special. Wow. And okay. It was in it and I was so excited to hear it. Right. And I think yes. that with the, I think the special came out in 78. It right? did. It was the year yep. after the movie came out. 1978. And yep. so, oh, that's hilarious. Yes. Well, you folks will hear about the history of that scream. And if you don't know what it is, we play it because we, <laughs> we hear where it originally came from. We talk about, uh, I thought this was interesting, how there was a law that was, that came out of 1980, 1980s, that uh, was called the Ghostbusters real estate law. <gasps> yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. In New York mm -hmm. state, you're required to tell somebody if you think your house is haunted. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, this I turned out was the, was a hot news story of the year. And because I saw that somewhere online I, and we talked about it, I, I included it. John Mellencamp fights his audience. Yes. Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. He's got some choice words. If you want to hear any music. <laughs> 
I, I'm trying to remember the choice words. Oh yeah. <gasps> oh, just ignore that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I could tell you, but it'd be, I'd be spoiling it if I told you, you just got to hear the story again. I, I love listening to our stories again. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Uh, and two more stories here. Uh, uh, Annie Zaleski wrote an, an article about how the Outfields uh, song, what's that song called now? I can't remember. Um, huh. Your Love? Yeah, that sounds I right. I don't want to lose your love. Right? Right. Yeah, that that's it? right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How that, that may be the ultimate summer song and we uh, mm. question that. <laughs> and then finally, Disney removes a rather distasteful word uh, <laughs> from their canon. That's all I'm going to say on that, about that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think. Yeah, that's. But, uh, yep. Yeah. Just keep listening. <laughs> yes. So this will give you a little flavor for uh, how we, uh, how each episode is. And certainly, uh, again, it was tough to choose, but these <laughs> give you a, a variety, I suppose, of different things. Yes. Uh, and how we cover uh, various current news uh, related to 1980s media. Uh, excellent choices. I am so excited to listen to this. All right. Look, hey, let's get started on 1980s news. All right. Hey, another 1980s news uh, as reported on mm -hmm. today.com. And, you know, speaking of true crimes, I mean, this is just, this one isn't as complicated as what we're going to talk about in a moment, but uh, mm -hmm. this is nearly as wacky. Uh, <laughs> Coast Guard rescues man from capsizing yacht mm -hmm. after he allegedly left a dead fish at the Goonies house. <laughs> Netflix series to follow. <laughs> I love it. All right. So I have, I, I read this article and the whole way through the article, I'm like, what am I missing? Exactly. As like, what's the significant, look again, yeah. not seeing the Goonies. Again, what's the significance yeah. of the dead fish? Is that a reference to the Goonies that I should know? I couldn't think we should tell John it is. <laughs> he has to go yeah, watch right. it to figure is it, it out. I mean, was there a reason or did he, he just did it for the halibut? I mean, oh, what's the oh, rationale that, 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 that you set would us up. put the a whole, dead fish? The whole thing was a setup. Brilliant. Uh, uh, no, there's no significance. Okay. No. So it's not like a Goonies reference. It's not no. like, no. you know, a fish on your porch, like that old Goonies like, scene. No. Okay, I don't know. But it also turns out right. this guy stole a boat. I mean, he did a number of things that have nothing to do with the film. <laughs> that didn't happen in the film. Okay. Uh, so as reported by today- But he left the fish at the house <laughs> that suggests it was significant. Yes. <laughs> but I think like my entire life has been building up to leaving a fish on the porch of this house. <laughs> he's working up the courage. To to the point that I will commit larceny and felony yeah. and grand theft boat in order to do it. <laughs> and it means absolutely nothing. Yeah, no. I mean, they don't. That's just, they ridiculous. Don't, they don't explain, you know, his motivations in this, this short piece here. Or, Are you okay, Kat? We broke Kat. I will be, I'm sure, at some point. I, I don't know. Maybe be. it was a warning to the homeowner. I don't know. <laughs> It's like the horse head in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Careful, you might wake up with a I fish mean, on the porch. Imagine how the homeowners felt. Oh, no. They found us, honey. I don't know how. Quick, get the fish broom. Because it's happened so many other times before. Of course. It's the Goonies thing. Everybody comes by. All right. Just it's like, like the, when you just go like to the movie. Yeah. When you, you go to the Breaking Bad house and throw pizza on the roof. Oh. Same thing. You go to the Goonies house and throw fish <laughs> oh. on the porch. It's it might like, become a thing now. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think okay. it's cool is you guys might have seen. Oh before God. I read this story, I had seen the video of the rescue and I didn't know they were related. So really, it became a viral video, you know, some sometime shortly after this happened. There's a video of a U.S. Coast Guard uh, boat rescuing 
this is what you see in the video. You see the boat approaching another boat that uh, I think based on a caption we learned had, had was, uh, you know, sending out a mayday, a mayday signal. Mm -hmm. Okay. As the boat gets close enough, as someone jumps off the boat and starts swimming towards the, the uh, boat that's in danger, the mm -hmm. Coast Guard, remember the Coast Guard. Mm. All right. As he's nearing the boat, you see an enormous tidal wave approaching. Oh. And you're just like, shit, these people are fucked. <laughs> oh, no. Just as he gets to the boat, the wave just just completely covers the boat, the swimmer, mm. everything. They're gone. Wow. As the wave subsides, the boat is now flipping upside down. Oh my gosh. And the swimmer reappears. Uh, and ultimately he rescues this guy from the boat. So this is the video that mm. we see. This went viral. So that uh, is a whole separate. <laughs> wow. So that oh video gosh. turns out to be this story. Oh my gosh. So that was the tail end of oh. dropping off the fish. Yeah. He took off in this stolen boat and- uh, yeah, when the rescuers, uh, you know, saved this man, they had no idea he was accused of placing a dead fish at the Oregon house that was featured in the Goonie. <laughs> and, and is that illegal? <laughs> is, the, is there a law what against the fish placement? Right, I think they, they do have crimes yeah. listed. They have his crimes so, listed, yes. A man later identified okay, as Jericho. steal the boat, fine. <laughs> fish placement, not a crime. Oh, you know what I they have? It's called, and here, seriously, I think this, I'm guessing go, this is what it yeah, is. Go. Criminal mischief. I think that's it too. Right? I think if, if the criminal fish chief. <laughs> what? That, yes. Criminal fish chief. <laughs> or miss, miss fish. Criminal miss fish. Miss fish. <laughs> criminal miss criminal fish. fish and ships. Criminal miss fish. <laughs> you know, you would think we were recording this at midnight. You guys are so loopy. Uh, look, a man later identified as Jericho Labon. I know what's happening now. You guys just don't want to do true crime. You just stall. Oh, no, no. no Labonte no. okay, or Labonte? No, uh, this is the true crime story I tuned in. Yeah, for. this is it. That should be the voice. Thirty-five of Victoria, British Columbia, was taken into custody on, custody on February third after a number of people recognized him. Mm -hmm. uh, they started pursuing the police. Started pursuing mm -hmm. Labonte, I'll say, after receiving a report on February first that he posted a video on Facebook that showed him placing the dead fish on the porch. Gotcha. Uh, of course, the home that we're talking about is the one featured in uh, Steven Spielberg's 1985 uh, film. But it wasn't until after the U.S. Coast Guard shared a video, the video I'm telling you about showing this dramatic rescue, that authorities learned that the boat in the video had been stolen by that same man. That's the guy. That's the criminal fish shift guy. Get yeah. him. So after he was rescued and a helicopter hoisted the two of them out of the water to safety, the, uh, the officers uh, later arrested him about 17 miles south of the uh, story. I don't understand this story, but it's my favorite story. I love it. I love this. <laughs> I love this it's, you know what, John? You, you just got to take it for it. Like it's literal, the word, the literal words. Don't think yeah, into I, it. It's literally, this is, it's all on the page. I, 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 I was looking for deeper meaning and it turns out. No. Surface. No. Uh, shout out to the brave rescuer who is identified as aviation survival technician, third class, John Branch Walton. Mm -hmm. It was his first life saved as a rescue swimmer. Wow. And he graduated good, good later that day from the Coast Guard's advanced helicopter rescue school. Later that day. Later that same day. <laughs> In fact, what I remember from the viral video is one of the texts said, that they were out on a, you know, uh, training. They were out on a training uh, voyage mm -hmm. or whatever. Oh my gosh. When this ship radioed for help mm -hmm. and they had to shift gears. <laughs> so the, this this kid was being tested, you know, in this training thing. They had a real, real opportunity. <laughs> you want me to what? So they, they, pr <laughs> they were going to take him out on his last day and Top Gun mm -hmm. Maverick him in a cage underwater. Yeah. But yeah. instead they pivoted and said, hey, 
tidal wave. Yeah. Jump in. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah. It was his final hazing. They deducted points though, because they were like, you know what? You never mentioned anything about the dead fish. The fish. Did not recall That's the right. dead fish. You have to be aware of your surroundings at all times. <laughs> it turns out, uh, however, also that the home, uh, uh, the Goonies home was recently sold mm-hmm. uh, to a Kansas City entrepreneur and super fan who bought it for $1.65 million. And the good news for mm-hmm. Tom Higginson and his son and others is that he, this uh, super fan intends to preserve the property as a place where the film's other fans can visit and take selfies. And um, <laughs> leave fish. They drop off fish. Inevitably, uh, oh, you're, you're right, John. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, prior owners were not as, uh, you know, uh, flexible mm. as far as letting people take pictures of the I'm, home. I'm just saying, it. if I ever visit, I'm taking a fish. Yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah, it's let's make it a thing. Come you know, on. I should have reached out to Tom to ask him about. We that. just, we just need you to watch the movie first, John. <laughs> then we'll move on to the fish. <laughs> I'm going to watch the movie, and the fish is going to be in there, and you were lying to me. Is what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish we could like uh, CGI a fish into the film now. <laughs> <laughs> watch <Something>. this copy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Every other little copy is, this is the director's this cut. Is, Director, this director's cut. This bonus right. features in this one, yeah. I'm trying to think of a fish pump with the word cut in it. This is the director's cuttlefish? Yes. Sure. I, I can't wait for the news to end. Hey, another 1980s news. All right, here's another movie. Tell me, uh, film, how, how are we going to improve this one? Uh, I can't imagine there's anything to be done. They probably got it. They probably nailed it the first draft. Oh. Uno. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something here right off the bat about Uno. It doesn't seem to be that in any conception of this film mm-hmm. that cards are involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could be wrong. But, I could be wrong. But it's a card game. But uh, Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. In fact, <laughs> Uno was created in a Cincinnati barbershop in the 1970s for, mm-hmm. as a way for families to spend time together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mattel's owned the game since 1992. And in November of uh, 22, New Yorker met with Marcy Kelly, uh, who they describe as a cheerful 38-year-old who has become Mattel's de facto screenwriter and punch-up artist. Mm. It was then that she recalled Mm. the moment when uh, Kevin McKeon, who we mentioned before, Mm -hmm. uh, asked her if she wanted to pitch a script based on the card game. She responded, hell no. (laughs) Well, well, she said, uh, quote, my reaction was the reaction that everybody has. What? (laughs) She said that she was given a pitch deck that included a number of uh, uh, little seeds of ideas for things to work in. Yeah, that's a ah, nice. Uh Uh Cat jelly. Uh, Little seeds of ideas of things to work into a movie, including a meme of Beyonce holding Uno cards. Oh, the mandate inexplicably was that it had to be a heist movie. Oh, okay, that heist movie. I don't yeah. know how, but that could be fun. A heist, I like a heist, heist movies. Movie. Yeah. So what, what she did was, mm. Kelly, uh, she the script she emerged with wasn't quite what Mattel was looking for. She oh. set Uno in Atlanta's hip-hop scene. Oh. Uh, and in fact, in February of 2021, Variety reported that Lil Yachty was working on the script. Oh, Lil something. <laughs> Lil Foden in is back to work. <laughs> you know how he rhymes, <laughs> how he <laughs> raps. <laughs> 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 I was that's what that's what little little Yachty said. Draw four, bitches. Little Yahtzee. Kel- Kelly said the first draft that I sent in was fuck heavy. <laughs> uh, okay. I that's a great realized, term. I just realized we don't know if she means the language or the act. Which way? Yes. <laughs> 
Either one, it's not the direction I thought a Uno film yeah. would take. I, yeah. mm, I cut to the Mattel was... executives. Why yeah. is it a porn? Let's go back to the origin. Oh, you, all you said was it had to include heist. Let's include the, yeah, what about the lore from Uno? Are you kidding me? A way for oh. families to spend hey, time together. I gotta tell you right now, Mattel executives, doing one of those fuck scenes. Someone plays a reverse card. <laughs> Hello. Oh, I got skipped again. <laughs> oh, I got a wild card. Oh, wild. <laughs> I, I have a pitch. I have, I have a pitch that's yep, not fuck heavy. It's not at all. Then I don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> don't waste my time with it. Cats out. <laughs> all right. Four roommates are okay. in any is Friday night and they all have yeah. huge plans for the evening, mm. but oh, they wow. they're somehow trapped in their apartment, Ooh. but there's a million dollar prize for oh, whomever, right. whomever can successfully go out first. Oh, huh. you know, like out Uno first. You go like out in first. Uno. Yeah. yeah, yeah but I thought they were playing. Uno. Wait, what are they doing? No, no, no. They're trying to escape. It's Friday the night. They're trying to go out. They're trying uh -huh. to go out of their apartment. Yes. Like going out of course. What's keeping them from getting out? What's 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 keeping them in the apartment is someone mm -hmm. asked the magic eight ball. Will these guys ever get out of their apartment? Ah. Outlook not good. Synergy. I think yep. yes. Meld. Oh my meld god! It's together. the Mar it's it's the Mattel Cinematic Universe. Barbie's involved. Oh god. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. my god! You know they're gonna do that. And oh. the Hot Wheels come racing mm. in. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Barbie will be racing a Hot Wheel right through that yeah. here set. Yep. There we go. Nice. Uh, nice. With regard to Kelly's uh, script, she said an executive flagged every instance of the obscenity in the screenplay. <laughs> hmm. It was something like 50 pages, she said. And then the next draft had one. I got my one well-placed PG-13 fuck. Oh mm -hmm. yep. Again, the word. <laughs> yes. But uh, shortly after the New Yorker interviewed her, the Uno script was set aside and a one-day writer's room took another run at the concept. Okay. A heist, Mattel reasoned, might not be the way forward after all. Oh. Well, whatever you pick, the mm -hmm. sequel writes itself because there's another card game called Dose. You can just follow it up. And do that. <gasps> That's right. Oops. There's a Dose. It's already, the sequel is loaded. It's ready. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as reported by Pace Magazine, the original recording session of the Wilhelm scream has been uncovered. So look, if you're yeah. a cinephile, and maybe even if you're not a cinephile, <laughs> I don't know, does anybody not know what the Wilhelm scream is? I didn't know before listening to this podcast. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. okay. okay. All right, so folks don't right. know. All right, so mm -hmm. then, okay, so for mm -hmm. folks who don't know, in, in, in the 1951 film, Distant Drums, uh, there's a scene where soldiers are fleeing uh, Seminole, this is Seminole Indians, is that even correct anymore? Oh. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. It's a tribe name as far as I know. Yeah, but hmm. Indians isn't. The Seminole <laughs> tribe. Oh. Tribes people. Tri sure. Yes, yes. Seminole tribe. tribes right. people. Okay, I want to try to get rid of it. Anyway. So you're saying they're Seminole. You're saying the Seminole. 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 <laughs> Seminole. 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 Cinnamon? Cinnam sem Larynx. <laughs> Seminole. Got it. Nailed it. All right. Anyway, soldiers are fleeing and they're wading through a swamp in the Everglades when one of them is bitten and dragged mm -hmm. underwater by an alligator. And as he's taken under, uh -huh. he shrieks. Mm -hmm. Well, the screams mm -hmm. for that scene and other scenes in the movie were actually recorded. <laughs> sounds very much like that. Were recorded later mm -hmm. in a single take. So look, this happens often, right? It even happens today. They call it ADR, automatic dialogue replacement, where mm -hmm. it, I just saw somebody talking about this. Uh, uh, oh, oh, it was Chris Pratt talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie, how after they've oh. wrapped on all the vocal dialogue, the very last thing they record, because right. they don't want to, 
them to lose their voices is all the grunts. Mm-hmm. I think you call it effort sounds. Mm-hmm. So all the gruffer, oh. grunts are oh, being I've heard hit that. or sense. jumping. Or, yeah. And he talked about how, you know, he, he has to fall and land and you have to make a sound to show the kids that Mario is still alive. He's okay. So he was, <laughs> he was demonstrating some different sounds in that regard. So this isn't an, oh, okay. So something they do today. But anyway, so all these shrieks were recorded separately. Uh-huh. The recording of these sounds was entitled mm-hmm. Man Getting Bit by an Alligator and He Screams. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and though it was first created for that film, the sound is actually named for a character in a later movie because uh, the it gets its name from Private Wilhelm, a character in uh-huh. The Charge at Feather River, which is a 1953 Western. Uh, the scream, which had made then been made a part of the Warner Brothers uh, sound library. So, you know, you get these stock sounds mm-hmm. anybody could use when they're making a movie. Right. It was used because right. uh-huh. right, at first they're just using yeah. them because they're available. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it wasn't until later that people started using them like as homage or to be in the club yeah. or to okay. inside joke mm-hmm. with editors. Because at first it was just, we need a sound of a scream, go grab some. Right. And then later it grew. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this guy nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it, yeah. What's even, this is a sort of a little bit of, uh, I guess, a curiosity or curious history to me is that, Research was done by legendary, and this, I'm a huge fan of this guy. I've been a fan for the longest time of the legendary Lucasfilm sound designer, Ben Burt. He did the sound design for all the Star Wars ah. films, all the Indiana Jones movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tons of, if it's a big Lucasfilm production and others too, ILM, ILM's involved, often he does it. I have a really cool Star Wars mm-hmm. book, which is, he talks about how he made all the different sounds. And embedded in the book is mm-hmm. a little player where you could type in the code of the paragraph that describes the sound and they'll play the oh. sound. Now, there's a oh, couple, that's great. There's cool. a couple sounds in there he won't give away, but uh, most of them he explains how he mm-hmm. created them. And for me as a kid, the sounds are what made Star Wars to this day so come alive and believable. Mm-hmm. You know, that those lasers had punch to them. That, uh, you know, when, mm-hmm. when, when our, C-3PO was walking around, you could hear the mechanics. Yeah, you know, inside mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And like, and like Vader's Tie Fighter is almost like screaming as it mm-hmm. rips through space. Yeah, you know, like, and I think it has <laughs> a, noise, it's awesome. and I think it has a rattlesnake after it's when it just gets past. So yeah, he uses a lot of animal sounds and sort of you know tweaks them. And actually, a job that I did in theater years ago was sound design because of my love of this kind of stuff. Anyway, so Brand Burt, he found out that the the scream was actually made by Sheb Woolley. You know, Sheb Wooly, the okay. one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater Sheb Wooly. <gasps> oh, my gosh. In addition yes. <laughs> to having that hit 1958 song, was also an actor. And, in fact, he uh-huh. he has an uncredited part in that uh, Distant Drums film. Um, so he okay. found, but Ben Burt determined was that um, Sheb Wooly was this guy who screams on this thing. So, <laughs> But he's not the guy who got eaten by the alligator? No, Sorry. he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I love finding out that it's Sheb Woolley because yeah. like I had all these records, my parents' records, but I had a single yeah. of Purple People Eater that yeah. I wore the hell out. I'm sure my parents were sick of hearing this song mm. and I'd sing along with it and I would have the hairbrush and I'm singing along oh, and to find out that he is the originator yeah. of this song or, or the sound. So cool. yeah. <laughs> That's really neat. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So as John as mentioned, look, for three decades after Distant Drums, it was used frequently in Warner Brothers films because like John said, it was available. They needed a scream. Why spend the money effort to recreate something? We'll just uh, use yep. this uh, thing like that. And, and again, when I worked in <gasps> theater, you know, we did that too. I worked at uh, Juilliard for a couple of years and they had, <laughs> c- this is in the nineties, CDs and CDs of things. You know, I would say I need a sound mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. 
Someone would have it. So you had to go get uh, a CD. <laughs> oh, I did it. There was someone who just was like an archivist who would be like, all right, you need this. And, oh, you know, oh. Pretty mm-hmm. fancy stuff. But um, <laughs> Will had people to take care of that. For him. He didn't <laughs> yeah, get his yeah. fingers dirty. Come on. I, have, I did have white gloves on, though. <laughs> oh, uh, right. And, sure. So, of course. This, the original recording, though, has been found by a veteran audio engineer, Craig Smith, who is the academic sound coordinator at the, the School of Film and Video at the California Institute of the Arts. Uh, and he mm-hmm. came across it because he's been, you know, uh, undergoing this effort to preserve a vast library of tapes that have been sitting at the school for decades since the 1990s. For whatever reason, mm-hmm. and nobody's sure why, among them is the original recording of the Wilhelm scream. And I'm going to play you part of it uh, <laughs> right here. And it's it's great oh, because cool. not only is it titled, uh, you know, what would you say, man getting bit by an alligator and he screams. That comes from the, mm-hmm. the direction he's given by some director, Shab uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Woolley is given before he does his scream, so you can hear it here. A man getting bit okay. by an alligator and he screams. Okay, quiet. Hey, quiet. Oh, do it out for me. Okay, right? Ah! Ah! The first one you did up here was much better. Oh! Not, not an owl, a real scream, a pain. So after this now, he, he adds the scream because, you know, as you heard the direction there, he said, the uh-huh. guy said, not an owl, scream. Not an Come owl. on, you beat me a fucking alligator, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> come to me, come to life. And so now, so what, what follows are three things that sound to me like any of which could possibly be the scream. But online, I found people okay. debating what it is. So I don't really know the okay. answer. All right. But what I do have here is one right. of the times it was used, which was in Return of the Jedi, uh-huh. which is the place I think in, in one of the recent one of these films that you could it's so, somewhat isolated from music, etc. Mm-hmm. And then I'll play for yeah. you the three that screams that Wooly made. Okay. See if you think you could tell which one it is. So this is Return of the Jedi. Light, uh, Luke Skywalker is fighting his way out of uh, off of J- Jabba's sail barge. They're rescuing, you know, Lando's okay. rescuing. I'm sorry, Han is rescuing Lando. Mm-hmm you know, who's fallen off the skiff and Luke jumps down, gets right. his lightsaber from R2 and starts yes. slashing people. One of Jabba's uh, henchmen falls off of the, the smaller uh, skiff mm-hmm. there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hold that in your memory banks. I've got to, okay. two of these seem really like likely. Here's the first one. But some people think it's this one. But another group thinks close. it's this one. Those are too oh close, right? Gosh. You can't, you can't know. <gasps> so yeah. no. close. The third one is, is it sounds like the first one to me. Let's see. Oh, it's not that one. We can rule that one out, I think. No. Uh, I think it's the first one. No. Let's play yeah. Jedi again. One more there's time something, there's something yeah. about the end of the second one that's very breathy that isn't in mm-hmm. the okay. one we hear over and over, I think. Uh, Craig, yeah, yeah, Craig yeah. says first yeah. one also. All right, let's see here. Here's Jedi first again. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No. Number two has <laughs> more. And he goes, ah, he becomes a breathy, Ooh. whereas on the first one, he continues the, vo- the vocal cord vibration Ooh. where he goes, ah, and continues to make that noise <laughs> instead of just uh-huh. getting kind of breathy. Yeah, it's, it's got to be the first yeah, one. Yeah, I think you're Yeah, right. there's a little warm. Craig, mm-hmm. Craig's on the right page. He's yeah, got it. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Go, Craig. I'm, you I'm could, with you. Uh, it's now been heard mm-hmm. in over 400 films with at least a do- three dozen of those from the 1980s alone, including Always, Flash Gordon, History of the World, Howard the Duck, Raiders, Temple, Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon, Poltergeist, Scooby-Doo, Spaceballs, Star Trek V, <laughs> A New wow. Hope, Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> Return of the Jedi, Swamp Thing, Three Fugitives, and Willow. Is this the most sampled sound effect? <laughs> in movies, definitely. It would have to be. Yeah. It would have mm. to be. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. It's gotten to the point where I can pick it out when I hear it in a film. I'll be sitting yeah. there and I'll, I'll yeah. elbow somebody. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. that's the scream. Yeah. And they go, shut up. Yeah. Uh, I drive my wife crazy with that stuff. Too. <laughs> I feel like I heard it recently and I recognized it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was in. Mm. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> you know, you know what, Kat is. It was probably in the Mandalorian. I think. It was yes, because I've seen that recently. Yeah, probably. Oh, I think I probably. And again, they they're continuing okay, the transition, good. which I really think Ben Burt again of Lucasfilm is the guy who really mm-hmm. starting with Star Wars in '77. He's just been putting it in everything. And other younger <laughs> sound engineers are now following suit. Hey, I know it doesn't sound like it because our show sounds so damn good, but we don't have a big corporate sponsor or a giant podcast network behind us. No. In fact, this show is brought to you week after week with the generosity of folks just like you. Listeners who give us a dollar or two or more every month to help us pay all the different bills associated with creating a wonderful show about the 1980s. To find out how you can support our show with a dollar or two or the many free ways to help our show, visit 1980snow.com support. Whatever you do, thank you so much. Hey, another 1980s news, and as reported by The Independent, Brad Pitt just sold his haunted mansion for $39 million. Wow. Uh, so the Oscar winner first purchased this uh, nearly two-acre property, which is located in uh, Los Angeles, almost 30 years ago from the actor Cassandra Peterson, best known for uh-huh. her character Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Boom, ba, boom, ba, ba, mow, mow. Huh. <laughs> so, you know. Elvira. So- Oh, oh okay. yes. Oh, you just yes. saved yourself. You know that. Because I thought what? you were doing some Foley work. I thought you were doing Foley no. work. And when <laughs> so you did supposed to be the ghost. Ba-boom, I pictured Cassandra Peterson sauntering in. What? I was doing my Oak Ridge Boys impression. Come on. How dare uh-huh. you? I, now who's getting canceled? Well, I got to say, that's what I thought you were doing too, John. I just didn't know what to call it. it. No Oak Ridge Boys fans in the house? Good heavens. No, I saw them in concert. I I know I'm with She just you, doesn't remember every moment. single detail about the Oak Ridge Boys concert. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Who are the Oak Ridge Boys again? Badoom. They have a song like, called Elvira. Ba-doom. You're kidding me. Oh my God. He's like, Badoom, Badoom, Badunk, Badunk. It's on fire. Poor Cassandra <laughs> Peterson. Uh, my hot pants are on fire for Cassandra Peterson. I'm coming. In 1994, a pit bought the mansion for a reported $1.7 million. And from 1998 through 2009, and then from, from 98 through 2009, a pit purchased four properties surrounding oh. the home. Uh, today, the luxury home includes a skate park, a tennis court, a koi pond, and several pools. See, now that makes sense to me. Because I know Cassandra, when she bought this, because she talks about this in her book, which is a great book oh. again, by the way. And a tribal burial uh, ground, also acquired. It was... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you move the headstones, but not the bodies. Well, we used them to... That, we, need, we needed stepping stones. Come on, we laid them flat. Yes, there we go. But I, I remember, I think when Cassandra... Bought it first, you know, she had a pretty humble situation at the time. In fact, mm. I, I know there was various times in her life she was struggling to make ends meet, you know, before this character had really taken off. Mm-hmm. Look, for folks who read her book, we knew this already. But this week, uh, the famed Mistress of the Dark revealed to people that she warned Pitt uh, that the home was haunted before he purchased the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Peterson, <laughs> we've talked about this before when they referred it. In articles, they instead of saying Pitt over and over again, they now, now refer to movies and stuff he's been in. But some of them, you're oh. like, go with the hits, like- they said like the frequent, it'd be like right. the frequent friends guest star. No, no, this, this isn't as bad as that. This says, while Peterson told the Babylon actor, I don't know what Babylon oh, is. That's, a- That's that recent film that just came out that had uh, the, 
who's the Barbie actress that was just, uh, you, you were just talking about. Oh. Samara. Uh, Samara Weaving? Uh, well, she was, you said Samara is yeah, often yeah, confused yeah, for yeah, her. Yeah, I know. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Margot, Ro- Ro- oh, Margot, Margot Robbie. Oh, Margot Robbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Babylon mm-hmm. was a early Hollywood uh, oh, yeah, send yeah, up yeah. kind of I film. It was all about the raucous it. days of Hollywood, move, migrating from the yes. talkies into the. Yeah. But uh, when she warned him uh, about the supposed paranormal activity, instead of being afraid, he, quote, loved it. <laughs> um, and right. in spite of her uh, warning him of the, about the number of different weird things that she saw, he was uh, eager to own a home like that. Among those things that she claimed was that. Uh, she saw specters walking around the upstairs, sitting in front of the fireplace, entering her bedroom, and even, quote, floating around at the bottom of the pool, end quote. Phil specters? That would be scary. Oh, Phil specters. Walk around with a gun? Yes. <laughs> ah, goodness. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Why not calm through that? Oh, and put the gun down, too. The pool one. Yeah. Hello. Like, if thinking, oh, my God, there's a body at the bottom of the pool, what happened mm. to... Did they figure, have to jump in and figure that out every time? It to was, figure out that it wasn't really a body there? It wasn't, yeah. It was really a specter? <laughs> that would be a yeah. <laughs> That would be a yes. yeah. No, you, you poke it with the scoop. You don't have to jump in. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's a good idea. The net, use the net. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it just goes through. <laughs> Is that the sound of a net going through a corpse? Yeah. It sounds very much um, like a light, a ghost, not why, a cor- corpse. Why does that sound like a lightsaber? Because it's underwater. That's the sound of a lightsaber yeah, exactly. underwater. <laughs> Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it's passing through something spectral. Got it. Mm, mm, mm. Anything That's that glows. I, I like it. I bought it. John's got the Foley sounds he does for anatomical things. And I do sounds yes. for spectral things. I do, for I do spectral it. underwater things. Now look, this is <laughs> the sound. It's very niche. This is, this is the sound of a pool net. Is that what you call it? Going through a ghost with that's well endowed, a female oh, ghost okay. with a large bosom. Oh my god! All right, right. Madum, 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 madum. So Cassandra and her then husband uh, Mark I Pearson. I didn't say va va voom. Okay. It didn't matter though. I can't tell if I can't tell if Cat's clearing her throat or she's broken. I don't know which I thing has happened. Might be nauseous. <laughs> Oh, she's broken. broken. She's broken. broken. I like hearing the distant, I'm broken. So years prior, uh, Cassandra and her then uh, husband, Mark Pearson, even had a priest come to perform an exorcism on the house. Uh, Again, that's covered in a book. Anyway, she says, quote, we were telling Brad all about that and he loved it. I mean, there are not so many buyers who would... uh, who that would be a selling point for, but he was like, oh, that's too awesome. I love he appreciated the house so much, end quote. I think it's totally a selling point. If I ever sold yeah. my house, you know, you have the, the, the sign out front and you have the, the arm yeah. on it and above it. I love, you've seen the one, it has just a little small placard under the sign that says, not haunted. Yes. <laughs> I know, you did the thing. I think that's perfect. Because you're like, yeah. well, why are you pointing that out? No, no, it's totally not haunted. Of course, I'm just right. so you know, not haunted. That's great because the implication is the other houses for sale in my neighborhood, they don't have that sign. They might be, right. This well, one though, not oh, haunted. Totally, yeah. totally free of Phil Spector's. <laughs> yeah. 
So <laughs> you, you guys have owned homes and maybe, you know, you've owned homes before you've purchased homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know that uh, for the most part, the seller of a home has to disclose to you certain things mm-hmm. and it varies from state to state. But like, for example, if the, if something that would, uh, you know, affect, affect the integrity of the home physically, mm-hmm. for the most part, mm-hmm. they have to reveal that. So if, if right. the foundation has a structural issue, that something with the beams, there's been water Young damage, sinkholes. a lot of these things. Anything, sure. Right, right. That sort of black mold. Some states require you to tell you if there's black mold in the property at some point. Mm-hmm. Asbestos. Do you think you're required to tell a potential buyer <laughs> that you think your house is haunted? Required? Yeah. Like I, I said, the examples we gave in most states you're required or many states you're required to tell certain things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Do we think that haunted is one of them? Yeah. I don't think so. It's always been like this common knowledge, but not backed up with any statute that you must disclose if um, if someone died there in some mm. form or fashion. Oh, now, I don't know if that's true or not, but right. like every movie is like, you've mm-hmm. got to tell us, right? It's like, you got to say if you're a cop, right? No, you don't. But the people say that in movies, <laughs> yes. right? You're going to tell me, dude. I can't imagine. No. Well, first of all, yeah. for, if for any legal entity- to stipulate yeah. that you must disclose if a place is haunted, they must first admit that there's the Santa Claus, right? They have to then acknowledge that ghosts exist, mm-hmm. which oh, you then must disclose. Like so yeah. yep. it first, yeah. why would you not disclose that it's haunted? Because I think that's a selling point because <laughs> mm-hmm. like, anyway, but I can't imagine there's a mm-hmm. law on the books. I can't, you know, I'm sure we'll be proving you wrong momentarily, but I can't imagine there's a law. Well, look, like most laws, it varies from state mm-hmm. to state what you're required to disclose or not. Okay. But, uh-huh, yeah, and yeah. John's right, in some states you're required to tell if a murder or a death or a suicide Ooh, occurred in yeah. a home. And, oh, if it's a meth house, if it was a meth house, that's another thing. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. that you might interesting. Not be able to okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. there's four states that specifically mention paranormal activity in oh their my. real estate disclosure laws. Oh my gosh. Wait, please tell me Florida's one of them. I'll be so disappointed if Florida's not one of them. Oh, 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 oh. I'm voting with you, John. Okay. In Minnesota and Massachusetts, it's unnecessary to disclose if the house is haunted. Okay. In New Jersey, a seller must truthfully tell a buyer if their property comes with ghosts, but only if asked. In New Jersey? Yeah. But uh, as for the fourth state, okay. which is not Florida, New York, Real estate agents must be mindful of a court decision often referred to as the Ghostbusters rule. Oh, oh my gosh. I was, I had Ghostbusters in my head while you were talking because New York. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. It's the the, the name is not necessarily, it's not because of the location of this ruling, but more because of when the ruling occurred because it was in that. Okay. So throughout the, Mm -hmm. uh, her ownership uh, of her property there in Nyack, New York, Helen Mm Aki and her family reported seeing a number of poltergeists. Mm-hmm. On three occasions between 1977 and 1989, she told these disconcerting tales to Reader's Digest in a local mm-hmm. newspaper. She recounted mm-hmm. several instances in which the poltergeist interacted directly with family members, including mm. her, that her grandchildren would receive gifts of what she called baby rings that would then suddenly disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also claimed okay. that a ghost would wake her daughter <laughs> in time for school. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I got to talk about baby rings. Yeah. What? I, is is it a ring the size suitable for a baby yeah. or is it a ring made, made out of babies? <laughs> a baby ring? <laughs> or both. I've made you a ring. <laughs> Why is it crying? Why is the ring crying? You, when you put it on, you can hear a faint cry. Yeah. <laughs> Feed it. Feed it your finger. 
it may be both, John. I don't know. They don't speculate, but maybe because it's grandchildren. Okay, fair enough. It's, mm-hmm. it's that size and also manufactured from those raw materials. Yeah, or maybe it was also manufactured <laughs> okay. by babies. Okay, yeah. That's a third possibility. Oh, Any of those child labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she also said her daughter was uh, was uh, woke up, was woken, was awoken, was awoken? Uh-huh. The ghost awoken? was waking was... her daughter up for school every morning by shaking her bed. <laughs> what? Really? But mm. that when her daughter okay. pointed out loudly, hey, I'm on spring break this week, the ghost stopped shaking the bed early. <laughs> <laughs> For that week. <laughs> Again, selling point. If you have a free automatic oh. alarm clock that you can put on snooze during spring break. And you don't even have to set it. It just knows. That's right. It's always listening. Well, put on your baby ring. It's time to go to school. That's <laughs> hey, spring break, dude. Seriously. Come on, Phil. <laughs> it's Phil like a Spectre. physical manifestation of yep. like Alexa or you know <laughs> whatever. Yeah, always Bizarre. listening, yeah. ready to do whatever, <laughs> ready yes. to do your bidding. Yes. Uh, so when Jeff Jeffrey Stambovsky agreed to purchase the house in 1989, the broker told him of the haunting. At the time, Stambovsky laughed it off, saying, "Quote: We'll have to call the Ghostbusters." Which. Again, at the time, the second Ghostbusters would have just come out okay. around that time, 1989. Would have just That's come a out. big Twinkie. Uh, not being from Nyack, he wasn't familiar with the home's notorious reputation. Because again, it was oh. in Reader's Digest. It was in local newspapers. Uh, at some point, her house was on some five house tour. Um, oh, okay. But when he met with uh, Ackley two weeks before closing, she passionately told him, of the unwelcome house guests. So the way I understand it, and later in the, <laughs> later on, he'll say he was never told about the ghosts until mm-hmm. uh, till after he signed the contract. But it seems to me he maybe he was told before he signed, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that's funny." Then he met her, and she was like, "No, there's there's fucking ghosts in here, man. This is this shit is going down." And he was like, "Oh." So after learning that, he didn't show up to closing. So the lawsuits are filed by both parties for breach of contract. Ultimately, oh. to make a long story short. The, the case went through the different courts and finally heard on appeal in 1991 by the New York Supreme Court's appellate division. And they held that a house is very specific, but this is still, as far as I know, a, a rule that must be followed. Uh, okay. Or a law that must be followed. I guess a court created law that must be followed. That a house for which the owner had previously advertised the, to the public as haunted by ghosts, mm-hmm. which she did by talking to the press about it, mm-hmm. legally was haunted for the purpose of rescinding a contract by a subsequent purchaser. So for all legal purposes, if you say your house is haunted and you make it publicly known enough, mm-hmm. that house is considered haunted. So to John's point, we don't have to prove, or, or maybe distinguishing mm, from John's yeah. point, we don't have to prove Santa Claus mm. exists. If you go around saying Santa Claus exists for the purposes of this contract, uh-huh. Santa Claus exists. So if that's a reason to get out of the contract, you can get out of the contract. That is oh. some limp, milk toast, awful <laughs> proof of existence of ghosts, if ever. Oh, if, if you've ever said out loud to anyone there are ghosts here, you must yeah. disclose. It's it's almost denying the existence of ghosts. It's just saying, well, people will think your house is haunted that, because we advertised it in the past. That's what mm-hmm. it is. So ultimately, in this yeah. the thing with the murder, the thing with the meth houses, they all f- yeah. fall under this category of what's called like uh, emotional conditions or st- stigma, okay. like public st- perception, stigmatized houses sure. that, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. they can be perfectly cleaned of all the meth crap, but, and the fact that someone died there doesn't usually mean anything, but yes, mm-hmm. right. Most of our culture is filled with dummies. Uh, so they would, <laughs> could affect the purchase. So yeah. 
The reality is somebody's died everywhere on a long enough timeline, but in uh-huh. a house, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's that, there's that energy that mm-hmm. look, I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if it's real. I don't hang out with ghosts, but, but he's not afraid of gonna, ghosts. <laughs> no, <laughs> if you're going to put in law, it should be more than just have a priest come in and verify that it's haunted or something. <laughs> a young priest and an old priest. Both. Right. <laughs> Cover it's all required. the bases there. By law. In other 1980s news, as reported by Ultimate Classic Rock, John Mellencamp tells fans, shut the fuck up. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like what you want to hear when you spend, you know, $200 to go to a concert. <laughs> and this is a story. So <sighs> I feel his pain, I suppose. But here's what happened. So hmm. Mellencamp, this probably doesn't surprise a whole lot of folks that are familiar with him because he's always been cantankerous. You know, he's been a guy who mm. gets things the way he wants them and he doesn't have to accept them any other way. And he's been sort of uh-huh. known to have these, uh, you know, outbursts in the past. Well, uh-huh. this, you know, so again, his display on, on May 25th at a concert in Cleveland should come as no surprise. Uh, oh making boy. a stop at Playhouse Square, which is not too far from where I live here, uh, as part of his ongoing live and in-person tour, they outlined expectations for the audience well before Mellencamp appeared. According to Cleveland Scene, by the way, you can check out their interview with me from a couple of months ago. But according to Johnny Need Your Hoins, according to Cleveland Seed, the venue Where's my phone? He, he's looking as quickly as he can. Yes, okay. You know, the venue posted sign in its lobbies that warned, quote, this this show respects theater etiquette, end quote. Now, understanding what happens later in the story, you'd have to know what that means, first of all. So if you're coming to see uh-huh. a concert at what otherwise is a theater, because they have, you know, the Broadway tours are in this theater often. They have other okay. concerts, mm-hmm. comedians, et cetera. But sure. if you're going there for a concert, and I'm, I'm guessing folks that the way they behave there, mm-hmm. uh, they're used to going to concerts and other types of venues. They might not know what theater etiquette is. So, you know, already. Right. right. It's like business casual. Is it, do I have to have a tie? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Slacks? Yeah. Got to do jeans and loafers? Mm-hmm. What's, what exactly are the rules? You, you remind me, my wife and I went to a wedding a couple of months ago and it said, we swore the invitation mm-hmm. said casual chic. And we Googled oh. casual chic because we didn't know what that meant. And the men came yeah. up mm-hmm. wearing mesh shirts, you know, like we like some heavy metal rockers oh. were in the 80s, like a mesh okay. shirt and nothing underneath. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like cargo pants or push up pants. I was like, I so guess is I'm, that what you wore? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I knew the rules and I respected Good. them. Good. No. Yeah. It turns out it just said casual. Cheek wasn't in there. So Cheek was Big not mistake. part of it. But <laughs> so, um, so then, missed opportunity. <laughs> following uh, the 30-minute classic movie montage that apparently opens his uh, t- tour, Mellencamp let it be known early in his set that, quote, I don't like people screaming from the fucking audience, end quote. Ooh. Now, oh. I'm going to add, Uh-oh. you know, <laughs> whatever intonations I think are ap- appropriate. He may have said this very calmly and happily. Uh-huh. Uh, but when Mellencamp suggested the country needs to take better care of those with mental health challenges, a ticket holder shouted at, okay. at him to, quote, just play the fucking music. And cool. <laughs> okay. So Mellencamp okay. responded in kind. Listen, hey, you guys, if these people don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to leave. OK, because I'm oh not used goodness. to this crap. Look, guys, if I wanted to play in this type of drunken environment, I'd play outside or I'd play in an arena. End quote. First bravissimo on the performance. Well done on your melon. Thank you. Very happy. Huh. But it's a concert. Mm-hmm. So, and, and people get excited. Like, I've, I've been to a concert in a small theater okay. in New Jersey, the Count Basie Theater. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people, they were all older than me. <laughs> but, and they were really excited. Mm. And there was whooping. And yelling and, and everyone was okay with that. And play the fucking music? <laughs> no, nobody said, no, nobody had to say, no, I mean, th- there was, um, 
excitement over like the concert. Mm-hmm. So, or, or maybe I'm I'm misreading the situation here. Was he annoyed that people were excited that he was performing? Or it, well, or, I, I, you know, I'll I'll tell you, Cat. I came hmm. into this article ready to 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 roast Mellencamp because okay. I'm like, well, here's a guy that's earning money he doesn't need. He could just walk mm-hmm. out on it, doesn't care about the fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the actual, it's like being heckled. You know, <laughs> it's one thing that somebody's going, woo, it's something else. If he's right. screaming, just play the fucking music. Well, At that point, I, I'm John yeah. damn Mellencamp. Right. If, if I want to just walk off, I can, I'll make yeah, rent. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He's, he's, not, yeah. he's not hurting for the money from that show. So I, I, it just sounds like he wasn't upset that people were excited and hooting and hollering. Okay. It's right, that they, yeah. you know, that he was heckling the actual artist and, mm-hmm. and he probably wasn't wearing a mesh shirt as prescribed by theater. <laughs> etiquette. Right. Yes. There you go. All right. So maybe, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like figure out the sequence thing, mm, the sequencing yeah. here. So yeah, I would be upset too. If somebody yelled that I, yep. I wouldn't, yep. I wouldn't want to stay. Right. But I, but I was wondering, well, what mm-hmm. led up to We're that? The live show and cat starts rambling like cat, just do the fucking podcast. <laughs> How would you feel? I think John might stand up at that point, exchange words with somebody. Uh, you don't get my little sister's face. You go through me. I'm, I'm going to be like, yes. Get Will's going to pay someone to heckle cat. Yeah, hey, I'll give you 20 bucks to take a punch. Because you're going to get punched. Well, yeah. you know, turn, look, I, I agree with John. I was, I felt the same way. And cat, but mm-hmm. but it turns out sort of I think both of you were right and wrong at the same time because it turns out this is something that he does at all concerts. So he's, he, I guess he must okay. be playing these smaller venues and doing it differently. I always mm-hmm. get the feeling okay. question whether he's by himself and doing it acoustically because I think if the band okay. was rocking out, you could shout anything and you wouldn't hear them. But mm-hmm. uh, sure. apparently during a yeah. performance okay. in March at the Grand uh, Prairie in Texas, he told the crowd mm-hmm. before the oh here we go before the mid show acoustic portion, uh-huh. <laughs> he told the crowd quote. This is the quiet part. So keep your fucking mouth shut. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So he's preemptively antagonistic. I mean, he's starting it. It, It's still money he doesn't need, right? He doesn't care if you're upset with him. You walk Mm -hmm. out, you make him walk out. He's probably already gotten paid. And then during this concert, uh, when a woman in the audience promptly broke the singer's rule and shouted out his name, Mellencamp fired back. What did I just fucking say? But thank you. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> Lighten up, Cougar. Anyway, so relax. He launched this uh, live and in-person tour in February. The 76-date trek is scheduled to conclude on January 24th in South Bend, Indiana. And he just released his 25th album, Orpheus Descending, on June 2nd. Uh, the inter- his interest in caring for others, which seemed to prompt this one guy to be, you know, shout mm-hmm. out, just play the fucking music. Mm-hmm. Should also not be a surprise to his fans, much like his uh, attitude, because the 71-year-old songwriter on this new album, on one track, pleads for an end to gun violence on the album's lead okay. single, Hey God, and laments the homelessness crisis on the follow-up single, yeah. the Eyes of Portland. You know, if you, if you see me in public and scream my name, I'm just happy you know who I am. I'm not going to be <laughs> upset. Hey, another 1980s news, as published in Salon, a music journalist and previous 1980s now guest Annie Zaleski writes... The Outfield's yeah. Your Love is the perfect summer song. Hmm. So uh, the British band, I didn't realize the Outfield was British until I started reading an article, but the British band, The Outfield's Your Love has okay. appeared in a handful of movies mm-hmm. and TV shows in years since it reached number six on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1986. And, mm-hmm. But unlike other popular 80s songs, uh, Zaleski points out, they didn't receive popularity be- only after appearing on these recent TV shows and, and movies, et cetera, like 
yeah. Kate Bush's song in Stranger Things or Metallica in Stranger Things. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's instead mm-hmm. built up a fa- steady fan base, you know, from a, in a variety of different areas, uh, you know, in the, in the decades since. Mm-hmm. Including on YouTube, it's very popular co- song to cover, uh, including just some drummers cover doing drum cover- covers of it, which it does have a great drum line, though, actually, the way it changes between the chorus and the verses. It's pretty cool. I had no idea about um, all the covers. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was. Yeah, popular. I didn't either. But also, it, <laughs> it, it, um, it, it, well, first of all, it was a band's, it was their first song to chart on yeah. the Billboard Hot 100. Mm-hmm. But it's been consistently popular on streaming platforms in radio. Um According to media-based airplay data for, for classic rock, uh-huh. in late June, Your Love was just outside of the top 200 songs uh, for the format, as measured by, by Radio Spins. Uh, and the song is closing in on 600 million spins on Spotify and another 6 million views on YouTube. I never would have guessed. And it's not because I'm not a fan of the song. It's just there's so many songs that, you know, yeah. can have this kind of acclaim and attention. And there you go. Oh, Nick wants to know what love yeah. lesson... Did we take away from that song? Huh? Huh? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Giggity. Nick, I thought about you immediately because, and I'll tell you why, if you guys don't know, this song I've had, uh, uh, this song always kind of grossed me out a little bit when I was younger. Uh-huh. I love uh-huh. it musically. But this, the phrase, I just want to use your love tonight. When I was younger, I was just mm-hmm. always like, Ew, because like yeah, Nick was yeah, yeah. you know, talking about learning about, uh, what were we talking about? One night stands, right? We sort of yeah. Like, we'll about. save mm-hmm. a prayer. Yeah. 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 That, that, um, I, I always associated sex with love. Like you had to mm-hmm. have, be in love with the person and have, you know, be committed. Mm-hmm. And, and so that idea yeah. of hearing these songs of talking about it so freely, like, oh, we just, that really freaked me out. I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, of course, I wasn't really paying attention to the lyrics at the time. Yeah, so we know that. Now right? that I'm thinking yeah. about it, it's yeah. funny. Will I actually like this song? Yeah, uh-huh. because of the reason you don't like it. Because <laughs> it's about a one night stand, or no? Because he's being forthright about oh. what it is he wants. Mm-hmm. He's being absolutely transparent about the relationship, right. the okay. thing we talked about during the lessons from the songs, right. mm-hmm. and and. And, and the most cringy lyric I think is cool too. The one where he says, I like my girls a little bit older. Yeah. And some people go, Ooh. And I'm like, would you rather he say <laughs> yeah, younger? Yeah. What, would you, what would you prefer? Yeah, I thought better. that was fine. <laughs> Not like uh, my Sharona. Yeah. Oh, oh no. yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> In a 2018 oh, no. interview, frontman for the band, Tony Lewis expressed wonder that your love had become such an enduring staple. However, he said he, he understood exactly why radio Love the song. He says, quote, to be successful on radio, you have to grab the listener right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's got to pop mm-hmm. in the first sort of 10 seconds, end quote. And that had me thinking about, you know, when we did our, we do like our six seconds of a new song, see if we yes. can get through it. I, that totally, mm-hmm. I totally thought of that, Will. It did, yeah. you know, did it catch you? Did it hook you in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, this points out how uh, he was kind of a trailblazer in that regard because studies have shown that streaming is shaping the arrangements of contemporary songs, including making intros shorter. So it's not only, you know, us who mm-hmm. we want to get hooked with in the first few seconds. It turns out that's a larger mm-hmm. phenomenon in that new musicians are now catering to that. Uh, whereas, you know, these mm-hmm. guys were trendsetters or, or sorry, they, they were creating something, a novel kind of idea of doing that. And that's really interesting. Yeah, because I understand the mentality of catching somebody with a song they haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. Because we use that in, I use that in YouTube all the time, right? You mm-hmm. try to put something punchy in the first like two seconds for somebody to go, well, I'll stick around. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But when I'm, when I'm skipping through music and I like I'm in the car, or I listen to most music, 
I don't base whether or not I skip ahead on the first few seconds of the song. Mm -hmm. I base it on reading what the song is in the album cover. Mm. Like, I know what's coming, right? If I see it's human by human league, okay, the, yeah. the best part about that song is three minutes in. I'm hanging around. They don't have to grab me at the beginning, but I guess with unknown music, it makes more yeah. sense. I right. think it's, yeah, yeah, I wonder if it's more focused on if, if it's, yeah, new, right. <laughs> fresh. Because yeah. we were certainly buzzing some of those popular songs in those previous shows pretty quickly just based on either like the timber of the voice yeah. or the, too you know, the, the or rhythm yeah. or whatever. So you make a quick judgment, I guess, if you don't know the song, it makes more sense. Yeah, and yeah. I think- by the nature of the medium when we were kids, we kind of wound up hearing most of the songs in their entirety. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to kind of learn if you liked it or not. And you'd hear that, well, that, yeah. that twist that you love. Yes. You had to have that that long intro because the DJ had to talk over it back then. Oh, that too, right? right? Yeah. I watched the video point. for Your Love and it goes on for like 30 seconds before he gets to the mic. Uh-huh. And that was when the DJ was, you know, all the music that's fit to listen to on YNF, whatever. And he's screaming at you <laughs> and he stops right before the first syllable is, is spit out, right? He's, he knows when to stop. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, what's fascinating though, John, is in, in the actual version of the song, and this mm-hmm. I didn't realize this because they were talking about getting to it quickly. Mm-hmm. If you just uh-huh. take a guess, when does he start singing? What measure do you think he starts singing the first lyric? First measure, what second measure? measure, third measure, fourth measure. I'll give you those choices. One, two, three, or four. It, well, in the version I heard, it's none of them. Yeah. But you're saying the radio version yeah. is right. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember this until I did the same thing you did. I listened to the video and I was like, well, they don't get to it right away. I looked up the record. It may be like by the by the third beat of the first measure. Oh. And he's on a vacation. I like it's quick. You're absolutely it, right, John. First wow, measure. Wow, it's in the is first. It? Oh my God. Yeah, you're because you got you got two strums and then the third beat mm-hmm. starts right away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's insane. So even this is it's quicker to get to it than a contemporary song. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is really it is. I, I like the song, John. I just I did find the lyrics kind of gross and confusing when I was a kid, though. <laughs> it's a great song. It is. A great is that song. still true, Will? Is it better now? Oh, yeah, because I have one night stands all the time. I'm pro one night stand. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Now it's his anthem. Yes, exactly. It's my ringtone. It's my horn when I honk when I pull up to my date's house for the once. <laughs> That's why it's the perfect summer song, perfect fall song, yeah. perfect winter song, perfect mm. spring song. Well, yeah. it, you remind me what, what we're talking about this in the first place. is And, and why? So ultimately, Zaleski comes around to saying that uh, mm-hmm. the song itself, you know, obviously he's talking about these uh, his romant, this romantic dalliance that this, this guy has. And it's kind of a push and a pull because he talks about there's some kind of contradictions. I don't I don't. I just want to use your love. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose your love. So there's this various mm-hmm. pushes and pulls that she associates ultimately with, you know, sort of the excitement of new romance. And summer, as she says, is a prime time for a romantic fling mm-hmm. uh, and you're gra- and grappling with the conflicting feelings around those fleeting romances. So therefore your love is uh, the perfect soundtrack for that. Uh, I've got to dig in a tiny bit more here, Will, yeah. because <laughs> even listening to it now, with mm-hmm. the, this is the most critically I've ever thought about this song. Yeah. <laughs> even thinking about it very critically now, I can't find any cringe in it because what I hear the vocalist saying is, I'm going to take the lyrics out of it and just paraphrase. Mm-hmm. I would like to have sex with you, but I don't want it to wreck our relationship. Okay. That's what he's saying. I want to use your love. I don't want to lose your love, right? He's like, here's what I want out of you, but I don't want to damage this other thing we have. Can we do that? Mm. That's See, I heard it as very straightforward. I never felt it as 
Yeah. Maybe it's cringy if like you were brought up not even broaching the subject. Like that's taboo. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. the fact that you go, you know what I would like to do? Like you can't talk about it. And then he did. <laughs> and maybe right, maybe right, you right. felt that way. So it's like a friend with a benefit situation you're thinking. <laughs> you or it might be might, someone you love with a benefit with okay. whom you have not crossed that barrier yet. And okay. you're like, that's where I'd like to go. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What you thinking? Can we make this happen? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than doing it yeah. and asking forgiveness later, they're asking permission. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a really cool take. I like that, John. And I think there's probably other lyrics to support that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. ultimately Zaleski concludes that, you know, what one of the, she says the genius of the song is that the narrator never spells out what happens? Because, you know, it starts with Josie's on vacation. Right. But what yeah. happens when she comes back? Do they consummate their love? Does it turn out she's, like you're saying, just a friend who's like, no, I don't feel about mm-hmm. feel that way about you. <gasps> right, right. Ooh, open-ended. Hey. Oh, I was just that. trying to make it a whimsical speaking, scenario. Speaking of that, I got a final, <laughs> a final news story that I've added last minute here for you guys. Oh, oh good. Just came Ooh. in hot off the press. <gasps> Surprise. Speaking of Joe Williams and changes to Return of the Jedi, as reported on boingboing.com and other places. Mm-hmm. Disney quietly removes jizz from Star Wars. Wait, what? That's that's too bad. Can you say more about this, please? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, that was 1980s. Dude. I don't have to ask you what you're what you're implying, and so I really need more information well, here. Here's the name of a character, Jizz Fortuna or somebody. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm heard it. Just for two nights. Takes time for sound to get all the way to where. Uh, so a book came out called "A Certain Point of View: Return of the Jedi." It's a, it's a new short story collection celebrating the 40th anniversary of the film. It just published in August. It's, a book features an incredible lineup of authors, including uh, Saladin Ahmed. I'm going to say Mike Chan, Alyssa Wong, all contributing in continuity stories that retell key moments of Jedi from the perspectives of different characters in the film. <laughs> I okay. It took me a full thirty seconds after <laughs> Will cracked up to just, get that. Okay, now I'm taking a full step back because remember when Will was concerned yeah. that well, we don't want to just like sideswipe you with a a word that you're not prepared for. Yeah, so we're gonna call it pickle and party. We're gonna yeah. call it parrot jizz. Whoa! whoa. Just, I, I don't even know why you guys are upset about this. What's jizz? I'm not upset. I'm upset. It's, is jizz a bad I'm, word? I'm just reporting the news. It's a curiosity. I'll say what John said a couple weeks ago. And whatever you're thinking is in your head. I didn't put it there. I'm just reporting the news. This That's is right. literally a headline that I read online. That's, yeah. Now, one Just of the, because that's the definition of the word, there's no rational reason I should think it. One of the stories in this book was by Star Wars creative art manager Phil, let's say, Zostak. It focuses, mm, sure. uh, focuses on the character of Max Rebo, who we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the blue-skinned leader of the band who plays like the mm-hmm. funky keyboard. Yes. Uh, in Jabba's, mm, yeah. Jabba's Palace. According, now, by the way, when you said Jizz Fortuna, what the, the delay and what ultimately happened was, do you remember in, in Mel Brooks's Spaceballs, Pizza the Hut? I Mel Brooks, the Jizz Fortuna character, like almost instantly in my head of what he looked like. And that's why I had a pause for a second there. You are welcome. But so in Max, so in the, according to the original novelization of the film, back to, in 1983, uh-huh. Rebo is known as what is, was called in the book, a Jizz Whaler. The 1995 short story collection, Tales from the Most Slicely Cantina, further established that jizz 
is in fact a popular style of music in, Star, in the Star Wars universe, practiced not only by the Max Rebo band, but it's also the kind of music by the infamous house band at the Cantina, in mo- okay. most nicely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yes, Disney did wipe out a lot of the you know stories from the canon once they uh, purchased Lucasfilm. Okay. But- <laughs> Is it the wiping of the jizz? No, I, no, I just, I'm just imagining the new scenario, that t-shirt that says, you know, the oh. Max shot first. <laughs> oh. That is, no. We got to beat him to the punch. <laughs> we got to beat him to the punch. Quick. Um, <laughs> quick. We got to get some quick. shirts made quickly. <laughs> now, although Disney wiped out a lot of the books from the canon, uh, in, two, oh, in 2017, my. the company published a new novelization of Return of the Jedi written by Ryder Wyndham, which reestablished yeah. Jizz as a part of the Star Wars canon. But Jizz is conspicuously absent from the Max Rebo story oh. in this new book that I told you about. Instead, the writer describes the genre of music performed by Max Rebo's band as jazz. It's another misspelling of jazz. J-A-T-Z. Zostek writes, quote, jazz came to be known as by many names, some less palatable than others, end quote. Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, jazz, it turns out, was a phrase that appeared in some literature related to Star Wars uh, back in the 1990s. Bitter. Now, I was, I went down a rabbit hole because... The fact that they would, <laughs> I just don't know what's setting him off anymore. He's doing his own much. thing in his head. It doesn't take much. It's now not even the Cat and John show anymore. Just the John show. It's, it's the John foolery. <laughs> I'm just <John> listening. <laughs> so I, I went down the rabbit hole, but I was curious. So of course, you know, modern, our modern vernacular certainly are slang. Jizz refers to something else, which is what the, you know, our elementary mm-hmm. school level of humor is on this mm-hmm. yes. news story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought, well, maybe is it possible when they wrote this story in 1983 that it wasn't a, a common parlance referring to, you know, what we, we know it to be known as now. Yeah. Uh, and what I found out was, is that this word has been around for a long time. Okay. And it's really, this isn't going to make it better. It's really, you know, a, a shortening of the word jism, mm-hmm. which yeah. in right. the 19th century was used to mean energy or spirit. Ah, uh, yes. You know? I, yes. Jism became okay. jizz mm-hmm. and jizz and jazz were used interchangeably for this. But... By the 20th century, I found found this uh, interview with this composer named Yubi Blake. Oh, good. Who, along with Noble... I was nervous who the interview was with. Okay, go ahead. Jis Fortuna. What did Jis Fortuna, John, say? Go ahead. What did he sound like? I can't imagine. We need a voice. I can't imagine. If Jis Fortuna was saying Dance Macabre, what would it sound like? (laughs) Dance Macabre. No, <laughs> maybe John may be forcing me to edit. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> that was his goal. You said you weren't going to edit. No. Welcome to the John Show. <laughs> and we'll be right back with Pope Francis. <laughs> it's always when there's a guest. No, I, don't I don't even know what the name of the current Pope is. All right. 
Um, but this interview with Yubi uh, Blake, who along with Noble Sissel wrote the music and lyrics for the, the musical Shuffle Along back in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. They, he, he was serious about his music, this article said, uh, like his colleague Scott Joplin, they called it ragtime, the sort of music that they were using to score this musical that they wrote. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and he said, and this is a story he told in 1979, well, that was that when his music made it to the way to uh, its way to the New York stage, it was given a racier name. So this is in the 1920s. Okay. One that Blake mm-hmm. says was derogatory. He wouldn't even say the word. He would only spell it. He said, quote, oh. when Broadway picked it up, they called it J-A-Z-Z. He says, that was dirty. And if you knew what it was, you wouldn't say it in front of the ladies. Wow. So somewhere between the late 19th century, which I mentioned jizz and jazz and jizz meant spirit or energy. It transformed Mm -hmm. into this other thing. By the early 20th century, it was already being used to be in this other. Anyway, so Star Wars has no one but themselves to blame. So now it's all out of Star Wars. Yeah. And even if they called it jazz, apparently it would have been dirty. So there you go. Because that's the point. Okay. That is fascinating to me. Wow. (laughs) I'm spent. Come on. John, John, that's going to go way over most people's heads. (laughs) But will mine, but will mine. I'm with you. All right. Here, all right. Let's get out of here. All right. All right. So Kat, there you go. There was a bunch of stuff there. It was good to listen to those again. Uh, We have a lot of fun. It turns out. Yes, we do. I must admit, when I listen to them again, I often find myself laughing at the same t- points. <laughs> Absolutely. Whenever I re-listen to an episode and and it made me laugh initially, I yeah. always end up cracking up. Sometimes even more yeah. uh, when I'm listening. Yeah. And I usually, <laughs> inevitably, I hear something that funny that you said or John said that I didn't notice. Yes. The first time. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And the, have the benefit yep. of editing it in such a way that we can hear it. You know, <laughs> I can hear it. Yes. Uh, so there you go. We hope you had a great 2023. We had a good 2023. I know I did. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just as a reminder, we're, we're not going to be around in January. No new episodes. That's right. That's we will right. be back February. Mm-hmm. But we will, mm-hmm. throughout the month, still be sharing plenty of uh, content. So uh, mm-hmm. if you haven't yet subscribed to our show, uh, follow us on Facebook, YouTube, all those things. Yes, please do. And leave us comments because we love to hear from you. Yes. And we even yes. share those on the show. Yes, we do. All right, cool. Hey, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. <gasps> John's not here. We have he, to say would, something. What would he say? He would say. He would say something about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>